Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This is the Ocean Protect podcast, talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect, committed to change. Righto, welcome to the Ocean Protect podcast. This is one of our more bizarre interviews. To give it some context, it's actually April the 7th and we're joined by the lovely Laura Wells. How are you, Laura? I'm well. Considering. <laughs> considering, considering given that you are day eight, I believe, in quarantine. Yeah, day eight of a mandatory hotel quarantine in Sydney in um, a lush hotel, <laughs> but one that I can't use any of the amenities. <laughs> so you are physically stuck in your room. You cannot leave? Yeah, no chance of leaving. Yeah, forced to stay in your room. You can't use anything in the hotel. No windows that open or anything. Brad and I did also um, have a bit of a giggle because I saw over the last few days that some nitwit tried to send a fruit box to a person in isolation and put drugs in it. And I I sent the article to to Brad. I'm like, bloody Laura, up to it again. (laughs) Was that you? We just need to clarify. Uh, It was not me. I mean, there are cops and ADF all over the hotels, so it was a stupid idea for whoever decided to do that. Wasn't it? I mean, I'm like, well, it's like you're taking sand to the beach, mate. What's the point? You know, you're, you're, you're... <laughs> you are stuck in this room. Is there anyone making sure that you don't leave? Every hotel has police, ADF, and security. The only time I like ever do open my door is to get my meals that are delivered, and I kind of like. They knock on the door and you have to wait 10 to 20 seconds for them to like scurry away so you don't, so you don't ever see them. And then you kind of just crack your door open and grab your food out like you're the Grinch and pull it back into your room. Wow. <laughs> and then that's it. Wow. I mean, I, I look, I would just be ordering up big, you know. I mean, the minibar <laughs> would just be extinct by the time I got through it. You know, they'd be like, no, sorry. So, look, cutting to my heart, straight to it. So is the alcohol, you've got to pay for it because I did see a post from yeah. you. Like a bottle of like really overpriced something. Like, yeah, come on, they must give you a subsidy if you're in isolation, <laughs> you know. Like, well, uh, I don't think the Australian government stimulus package could <laughs> cop everyone's minibar uh, bill, but um, they've discounted the uh, beer and wine for us now. So, uh, cheers to that. Cheers, cheers. <laughs> yeah. But and sorry, all jokes aside, Laura, how, how are you coping? Do you know what? So far, so good. I. I didn't really know what to expect when I got here. Uh, the worst thing about it is not being able to go outside and w- looking out the window and seeing people walking and doing all the fun things. Other than that, I've just been doing a lot of yoga and Pilates, catching up on work. And I got my friend to drop over some art supplies for me so I could make signs and stick them in the window of my uh, hotel to you know, make other people smile. <laughs> With ridiculous signs, a new sign every day. Oh, classic. Yeah. You've been on this amazing expedition, and, and we'll get to that. 
But what's COVID meant for Laura Wells, considering where you've been and obviously the troubles of getting home? And like you're in quarantine. Take us back to how it all sort of unfolded. Yeah. So I left Australia at, at the beginning of March to go to Rapa Nui, to Easter Island. So a little dot of an island in the South Pacific uh, to start my journey. And we flew over there and I spent time with the locals on the ground. We were looking at plastic pollution on the island. We were doing a cap survey. So um, trying to identify where these pieces of plastic were coming from, doing beach cleanups, and then I essentially jumped on board a 75 foot sailing boat to sail to Tahiti for three weeks to do microplastic samples and um, science for three weeks. It was an amazing journey and something that I'd been looking forward to for over a year with uh, 13 other women from all around the world. And it was incredible. And then halfway through our journey while we were sailing, so we had 2,300 nautical miles to sail and we had very limited comms. But halfway through our journey, we found out that COVID had really lost the plot. (laughs) So we found out around, it must have been around the 15th of March, actually, that we found out. Uh, That's when we started getting reports through to say that we don't know if you guys are going to be able to land in Tahiti. Everyone is closing their borders. So it was kind of all stations go for us. Um, What, trying to make the sailboat go faster? Yeah, yeah, very, (laughs) very difficult to do. (laughs) Our captain, our our skipper was thinking, okay, so we've got days of forecast, zero wind. We have limited (laughs) fuel. Uh, We know that like we'd stocked up on food before we went. So technically we had around at least two months worth of food if we got stuck out there. We had limited water, but we had a water maker on board. But obviously that only works when we have the engine running and we have fuel. So (laughs) we had to factor all these things into our program. And we just tried to leg it essentially to French Polynesian waters as fast as we could. But while conserving fuel, um, and using the wind as much as we as much as we were able. By the time we got to French Polynesian waters, French Polynesia had basically no idea what to do. They were the last country in the South Pacific to close their borders to anyone. However, they basically were giving us the ring around to go to one island, go to the next island. And so we did a back and forth for a little while and then eventually found out just go straight to Tahiti. And as soon as you get to Tahiti, no one's allowed to get on land. Everyone has to have a flight to leave. And there was only one flight left for us to actually get. That meant that we had to get there on time. Otherwise, if um, we didn't or if we ran out of fuel or essentially wind, we were going to miss the flight to get out of there which also meant that we weren't allowed to stay on land. We would have essentially had to go back out to sea with no fuel and around two months worth of food (laughs) and no other country to let us in. So that's the position we were looking at. So we got there on time, obviously. Did the team come together? Was was there some, there must've been some camaraderie in this sort of time where you and all all the other chicks on the boat must've gone, Oh yeah. Hey, we've got to get lean and mean. We're going to get there quick. We're going to be fuel efficient. We're going to organize flight. I mean, it must've been a bit of like a sort of a military style sort of response. Yeah. Well, our skipper, Anna, she's from the UK. She's so experienced. She's amazing. So she put out the whole, you know, sail plan for us about what we're going to do and, just the fact that we need to use as much wind as possible whenever we could because we had to conserve on fuel, but we also had to get there as fast as we could. So Mm -hmm. we were motoring for quite a while. Um, We had about three days of zero wind, which was actually quite beautiful because the ocean turned into this amazing mirror where you could completely see your own reflection in it, and it was incredible. But it also meant that we need to use fuel now and and try and get Mm -hmm. there. And then when we'd get – enter little squalls, especially overnight. So at nighttime, we'd shut the motor off, 
get the sails out as fast as possible and use as much wind as we could whilst getting absolutely hammered with rain. <laughs> so that was a fun experience. Yeah, it made the whole team come together and really learn, you know, a lot about the necessity of sailing, um, the parameters around it, and then just working together because we all had to kind of help each other try and organise flights because everyone back home had to organise flights for us. So we were just WhatsApping people. That's the only thing we had to do to try and get on flights and try and get back to our respective countries because everyone was from all around the world. So there was a lot of different hoops people had to jump through in order to actually get back to their respective countries too, yeah, which was a nightmare. <laughs> it's an amazing. I mean, we, we um, I, like, I knew about this expedition, so did Brad, but, you know, coming to think of it and, and just what you said, there's, there's women from all, all around the world you know, from all different mm. places and all of a sudden that you don't really know, look, sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you, you, you've been on boats, I think I know that from our last chat, but some of them may not be the most experienced, you know, um, you know, sailors out there and all of a sudden you've got a life-threatening disease situation and your captain's like, listen, this is what we have to do. Uh, in a way, it must, you know, they'll, they'll be friends for life. Oh, yeah, totally. It As was, if they um, wouldn't be, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely added another element to our trip because we all became really close. We're on a 75-foot boat and there's 14 of us, so you get to know each other very, very well. You do night shifts, so you're up at night with people keeping each other awake and talking a lot of crap. <laughs> you're doing science during the day, you're cooking together. So you really get to know all these 13 other women really well, but then add COVID on top of that and the stresses that they have at home, making sure their families are okay. You know, everyone has all these different elements to it. So it kind of brought everyone together and, you know, we haven't stopped WhatsApping each other since everyone's been home. So it's been a really nice little community that we've got now, which is beautiful. Like we're all coming together for the ocean and conservation and now we're all coming together because, you know, we're friends and we want to look after each other. And everyone got home okay? Yeah, yeah. Actually, we all ended up on the exact same flight. Well, the very last flight out of Tahiti went to San Francisco. So we all managed to get the last seats on that flight, which was pretty impressive. And then from there, we all went our respective ways. So I had um, a 16-hour layover at San Fran Airport before flying back to Australia and a few others went to the UK, France, Norway, and then one of the girls is from Easter Island, from Rapa Nui, but she can't get back to Rapa Nui, so she's stuck in Santiago probably for the next two months. Oh, wow. Yeah. And is everyone in a similar position now in quarantine in their respective countries? <laughs> no, everyone uh, is back home. I'm essentially the only one that's uh, been put in a hotel room. Uh, <laughs> so they're all, they've all gone back to, you know, a nice kind of home life and you know, I'll be there soon enough, so that's okay. I'm taking the time to enjoy winding down a little bit, I guess. <laughs> and obviously that that last couple of weeks or last week and a half of the trip, we're obviously focusing on getting getting home, uh, but we are able to continue the research that you were planning to do. Yeah, well, I mean, essentially we were sailing at six knots an hour, which was kind of the fastest we could go at most of the time, um, especially on motor to conserve petrol. So we would stop during the days and we'd get science done pretty fast, like the yeah. actual sampling parts done fast. And then we could process while we were still moving. So yeah, we still continued to get more, actually more samples than what we had set out to do, which was great. Lots of trawling, like manta trawling for microplastics and water samples from 25 meters deep and air samples. So we, yeah, we continued to do the science, which was great. And that was our purpose. And we would have been disappointed if we'd had it gone home and not, you know, finalised our purpose. So it was good to get it all done. And, and, and look, Brad and I and, and, and all our listeners are really interested to hear that part of the chat. But just to, to, to keep it going, right, so you <laughs> land in Australia. Who flew you home? 
United. United. So United for yep. your home. Mm-hmm. Tell us what happened. You know, you like you waited for a long time to get on the plane. <laughs> Tell us, Laura Wells, from when you landed to where you are now. What was that like? Ooh. So we landed in Sydney. It was very military-esque operation, which was actually really helpful, I think, to really control people and their nerves and the fact that we didn't really know too much. We spent an hour and a half on the tarmac waiting for our actual for everyone on our plane to be allowed off. Uh, they were only processing one plane's worth of people at a time on the ground just to keep it nice and civil, I guess. We had regular updates from people coming on board saying, you know, we'll be processing you in the next half an hour. You know, sorry, hang tight. So that was all good. And then as soon as we got off, we were kind of shepherded into lines um, and they had a whole bunch of tape about a metre and a half uh, distance apart. So you, as you moved up the line, you would only go to the yellow line. So you'd keep social distancing. Uh, you were given a face mask. So everyone was given a face mask. And then we all had our temperature checked. We all spoke to a nurse. Anyone that was showing signs or symptoms was obviously escorted somewhere else. And then we were processed through customs, grabbed your bags, and the airport was so dead. It was a, the first time, you know, I, I have to travel a lot for work and it was just ghost town. And then everyone had to line up again and then we were put onto buses. So as you walked out, a guy would tick your name off. You'd get on the bus. Some really friendly guys from the Australian Defence Force helped me with my bags and they were, um, you know, all really lovely. Jumped on a bus and then everyone was asking the bus driver, hey, where are we going? You better be taking us to a good hotel. <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want any of those shit two-star ones. And he was so sweet. He's like, I'm sorry, people, I don't know where we go. I just have to follow the car in front of me. So there was a car that would, um, of ADF and police, New South Wales police, that would drive and then we turned up at the Sheridan Grand. So I got a sweet hotel, which was nice. And then you get processed again by ADF and police. You get essentially handed a key card and then the ADF escort you to your room, close the door, and then it's see you later. (laughs) If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yes. Wow. 
just to that because um, obviously Ocean Protect and, and uh, like like we see what you do on Instagram and, and love your posts. <laughs> Only a few days earlier, Lara Bingle's mum was posting some stuff about how shit her hotel was and shit her food was. And then, yeah, I, and then I saw that. Then I saw you going, I'm at the Sheridan. And, you know, you, <laughs> I was like, Laura, have you seen? You know, like, you know, so, uh, I mean, everyone's in the same boat. So, so what day quarantine are you right now? So I'm in day eight right now. Um, Six to which go. It's gone really fast. So I'm over hump day. Hump day was yesterday. Yeah. I've, um, I got delivered a new packet of sheets, so I changed my sheets today. <laughs> wow. Do you burn the old ones? Or what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I've put them in a rubbish bag and thrown them out to the hallway. Uh, and I've changed my robe today, so I've been wearing a new hotel robe. <laughs> so that's been my uniform since I've been in here, but I decided to dress up for you guys and put a T-shirt on. <laughs> yeah, ironically, on a, on a podcast, you dress up. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Surely, with with eight days up your sleeve, you've had, you've had a lot of alone time. You know, one of the biggest things that I've seen is neighbourhood and community togetherness. Like, for instance, my mum uh, is in isolation. She's a pretty crook. Shout out to Candy. She's on these great drugs that uh, NIB hashtag NIB have finally funded. That, that's proven to extend her life. But she's nearly getting the seventy at home in isolation. The amount of community spirit that's going on right now that unfortunately you're not seeing, you know, you are online potentially, but it's just wonderful. My mum, um, you know, she uh, came home the other day from getting vital food and there's a box of kindling from a friend of mine going, hey, Candy, you know, here you go. You know, she's getting messages nearly every day with people putting food in the letterbox, fresh fish, whatever. My neighbours across here in Seaforth, put up a sign yesterday, we love all our neighbours. There's been a, a really sort of big community sort of shift. And with that, online, there's been a few things that have come out which are like, and you would have seen them, Brad, you would have seen them, you know, the, the reality of coronavirus, gee, we've really stopped polluting our world. You know, <laughs> this is sort of a litmus test or a stress test to go, hey, if we just turn everything off, like, you know, airlines, you know, cars, everything. Gee, what, what do you know? It just stops this impact on mm. our environment for so many, so many different areas, whether it's tyre degradation on your roads, whether it's people out that are actually littering, whether it's planes in the air with, you know, like it, it, the list goes on. Have you had time to sort of have some Laura Wells time? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I know you're in isolation, but in isolation, I'd, I'd imagine... You, you you know you're reaching out you're online you're you're you know trying to stay busy have you actually managed to go hey well shit I, i'm in this for a reason you know this is a part of my journey have you had some reflection time and, and if so can you tell us you know what you've you know really looked at yeah i i definitely have because i have been in here for eight days by myself and <laughs> i've been doing a lot of yoga and everything and it's given me time to really understand what i need to survive you know or what what my purpose is, what fulfills me, what, what brings joy to my soul, I guess, and what I can live without as well. It's been really nice to be able to connect with a lot of people that I haven't spoken to in a long time, because we now all do have that extra bit of time that we couldn't make work before. 
Uh, I've spoken to people I haven't spoken to in three years, people that live in South Africa that I haven't uh, seen in a long time. So it's been really beautiful to connect and just understand how they are and, and get their thoughts and opinions on what's going to happen to them in the next year or so and, and what they want to do. For me, I guess I've realised how important my friends are and community is and how much I really value being outside, whether that's just sitting outside in grass or my long grass that I don't mow <laughs> or, you know, taking a walk on the beach. Like, all of those things are really valuable to me. And and I guess the fact that there are a lot less people outside essentially polluting or having less of an, of an impact now, I've realised that whilst I've been in here, my impact is essentially in terms of single-use plastic has actually grown exponentially <laughs> because mm -hmm. it's out of my control. But it's something that I've, act, I've had to um, accept and I, I can't do anything about that. I totally understand that that's the case because I am in quarantine. And the normal things that I would do, the things that I would normally avoid, the small butters and milks and plastic wrapped food, that's all just handed to me now three times a day. And regardless of whether I want it or not, and even if I don't use it, it's not going to be reused anywhere or, gi or given to anyone that could actually need it just because of this virus. So it's a bit of an eye opener in that way and something that is humbling, but also something that I've just had to accept and, and move on from. Yeah, I guess I guess with the reduced ability to go outside, it, it gives us. It, there's never probably been a better time to actually go within as well and sort of find out, you know, what you really, what is really important in your life, what you're grateful for, what irks you in terms yeah. of the the, the, the the plastic pollution, etc. One thing I've noticed is, um, like, obviously, I'm sure Jeremy and yourself have, have noticed as well, like the reports of the improved environmental sort of aspects of a whole bunch of different areas. Like they're, they're talking about. The fact that uh, the canals of Venice have become crystal clear and dolphins are, are returning, et cetera. Just over the weekend, I noticed in, in my own neck of the woods, there were so many, I have never seen so many butterflies. Oh, my God. I totally agree. Is that the same? I thought mate, 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 this morning, Kath and I were, yeah. we're, we're, we're in the kitchen and we've got this photo frame of, of one of my mum and one of their parents. And we found this most amazing, beautiful butterfly. It camouflaged so well on this photo frame. And we both said this morning, why are there so many butterflies? <laughs> but but where I've been going, there's thousands of them. And well, it's it's got, might have something to do with, the, obviously, the horrific fires the, and then the floods. They might mm -hmm. have something to do with it. Possibly. But but also it feels it's like, me, like maybe. But another way of looking at it is maybe maybe it's, it's, it's God's way of sort of sending us all to our room for being naughty <laughs> and getting, giving, us, uh, giving us time to think about how naughty we've done. And then... In the meantime, whilst we're all stuck inside, the environment has this ability to regenerate and grow again. And we're sort of seeing or hearing hearing about just how much uh, and how well our environment is actually recovering, which I think yeah. is a real eye-opener. I think we've forgotten how great our environment can be. Yeah, it's very, it is very resilient and it will be here regardless of whether we're here or not. It will survive long after we do and it, it will just be surviving in a different way, probably thriving obviously <laughs> yeah. just going back on your previous comment because before we jumped on and before we started recording we were talking about the increased use of, of, of plastic uh, single-use items masks um, you know water bottles at a time like this unfortunately the world it, it, whilst we're slowing down on fossil fuels because we're not burning you know jet fuel and, and you, everyone knows what we're, we're slowing down on so that'll lessen that impact Right now, environment and single-use plastic when it comes to hygiene and, and what's going on is, is going 
you know, there's just no thought. It's and and it's like you are in quarantine. It's like, well, I need to eat. I wouldn't mind some butter. You know, you, you're in a shit situation. You imagine that on a mass scale, and you go, wow. So, have you started to wrap your mind about? I mean, is, is it going to potentially change the way that you sort of uh, can operate? I mean, because there's opportunities through disaster, and and as shit as that sounds. Has, has any of your thought gone to, like, when I get out of here, you know, what am I going to focus on? Yeah, I guess um, there is opportunity in disaster, and I don't think that's a negative. That can, That's definitely a positive. We can, you know, I think a lot of people are, are recognising what's important to them, what we've been doing and what we need to do going forward, and hopefully that is going to shift to a more lighter footprint for individuals, corporations and governments. However, there are things like what we're talking about with plastic that may actually take a backseat on that and uh, people may move towards it because of the threat of infection um, and that being seen as a cleaner source. However, for me, I think that I can still keep doing the things that I'm doing. You know, you just, you become more inventive and more entrepreneurial, more creative. And, you know, for me, it's important to reduce my, my plastic footprint no matter where I am. So, if I'm going to go and buy a coffee, I'll still take my keep cup. You can't though. There's places in Byron that they've just been putting up things at the moment that, you know, they can still have a coffee in a keep cup. They can do it without touching the cup at all. So, you know, they put the coffee shot into their own cup, into like a, a reusable cup, one that they use to make the coffee with. They pour it into your keep cup. They've heated up the milk and pour it into your keep cup and nothing touches anything. It's amazing. So... You know, it's it's able to be done. But then also, on the other hand, maybe this is going to push people to be more creative at home and yeah. move away from coffee shops, which mm. I hate to say for the people that that's their livelihood. But, you know, maybe people are going to going to start making coffee at home instead and, and see that as it was a luxury item before. And, mm. yeah, as much as I don't want to push that away from the people who do make great coffee and have great coffee shops, that could be the other possibility where, where it turns to now. I think all businesses are going to have to learn to essentially adapt or die. I think mm. we're going through a, 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 a we've got, we're, I think we're just starting to go through a period of dramatic change. And I know there's been a huge amount of impact to a whole bunch of businesses already, but that is going to continue for many, many months to come. And I think the ones that will actually do well are the ones that actually do adapt their own processes and mm. business structure. Like even, even our own businesses, Ocean Protect, you know, as Jeremy would, would be aware of, like we're, we're essentially all working from home, like a lot of engineering companies. Our maintenance crew are still going out to sites and installing and, and managing assets. But the vast majority of our interactions that were historically face-to-face, uh, which does require a whole bunch of transport expenses and energy, obviously, usage, uh, we're finding that we're essentially just doing them remotely via Teams and Zoom. And they're, you know, it's really, really effective. And I think mm-hmm. that as just one example, we'll be adapting probably on the back of this, even after the sort of quarantines and the, the and the lockdowns uh, are removed, our business won't be the same. Travel won't be the same. Mm. Other countries have tested productivity with having a four-day week, a work week, mm. and perhaps this working from home with a lot of people is going to highlight that maybe that is the case and then people are going to be able to spend more time with their families and actually be productive working from home as well, making it actually work for them. So potentially the the shift of the work landscape will change into the future because of this too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and and, and, and what that change looks like and, and how long it's going to be, uh, no one knows that. And that's that's something that we at Ocean Protector are going through on a, on, a, on a personal level, I'm going through it. Like, for instance, when this thing hit, I've got a friend of mine who's sort of my mentor, or he is my mentor, 
Yeah, he's pretty tight when it comes to cash, and he's very, very um, wealthy. Anyway, I'll just leave it at that. You know, a lot of wealthy people <laughs> are extremely tight. But for instance, it's human nature to go, oh, my God, I, I need cash. So for instance, and where, where I sit, I took all my money out of my current account and put them into online saver because I couldn't remember all the direct debits that come out of my account. <laughs> oh, you know, human nature, we stop spending. We go, oh, my God, I've got to keep the money in my bank. So that happens on a personal level, right? Then you go to a company level. What have we done at Ocean Protect? We've, we've shored up our, our, our stock. We've gone, right, all non-essential spending, stop it. For example, we've got plants in our office in Sydney and we pay a company to come and look after them. We don't actually own them. They just look after them. Well, we spend, I think, $1,000 a month on them. Get the plants out. Now, that's fine from you know us. We, you know, we, we're looking at our dollar. But then someone owns that plant company. All of yeah. a sudden, they're not getting that $1,000. So the knock-on effect of, of what's happening right now and where we, where we sit today, I guarantee in a month's time, we, or even a week, we sit and have another chat. Things are going to be very different, and we just don't know as as human as humans. We don't know how deep it's going to be or how long it's going to take. All we all, all we can control is our own lives at the moment, and, and in a way, it's sort of empowering. You know, you go, great. Well, this is this is me. You know, I've got to make the most of it. It's like you, Brad, with your um, you know, with your routine and going out, and swimming and running and doing whatever. Everyone's sort of just getting on with it, which is, I, I find sort of quite encouraging, number one. Number two, things will get better. In a couple of years' time, we'll be at the footy match. A couple of years' time, we'll be doing the same things that we'll be doing. It might be a little bit different in some sectors, but humans are pretty quick to get back on the bandwagon. Yeah, we're super adaptable. Been doing it for years. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. I'm just hoping out of this crisis that we've had, that the environmental message doesn't get lost. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Ocean Protect podcast. Episodes are released weekly and the next episode will feature part two of this chat. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.